Chapter Twenty One of Maybe Tomorrow by J. Little. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kurt Troutwine. Chapter Twenty One. The rain hid on the metal top of Blake's car, parked alongside a dark gravelled country road, and a dim light inside silhouetted two heads, one pressed against the glass of the car door, the other bent forward as if in deep thought. Gaylord watched breathless as Blake read the letter, watched him devour Paul's words on the slips of gray paper. Not once did he glance at Gaylord or even speak. Gaylord looked through the wet glass, out into the night through the driving rain. There was nothing anywhere to be seen. His hands lay nervously in his lap, and his head ached dully, both from fatigue and from his efforts to keep from wondering. It would not do to wish he had destroyed the letter. It was too late to even think of such a thing. Paul had told him to destroy it. Why hadn't he? Tear up this letter. Don't even read it again. He remembered every word. There seemed to be bands of iron wrapped around his heart, welded there by some unknown power, and though he burst asunder, he could not escape. He was aware after a time that Blake had finished the letter and was looking at him, the letter still in his hand. Stiffly, he turned and tried to smile. Blake unfolded the letter and began searching. After turning several pages, he stopped and read out loud. I wonder if you really love Bob. He stopped and looked up. Do you, Gay? Do you love him? He read the letter without looking at it. Gaylord experienced an emotion of complete bewilderment. He remembered how pleasant it had been to explore with Blake those things he had always dreamed of, remembered how youthful and eager he had seemed. But now something had swept all of that beauty away, leaving only a more bewildering life, and a crushing sense of intolerable shame made his shoulders sag. Why am I so confused? Gaylord wanted to scream. Do you? Blake whispered. He dropped the letter on the seat and turned out the light. Do you, Gay? He asked again. Oh, Bob! Gaylord cried and flung himself into the arms that went around him. He tried to recall just what he had planned to say after Blake had finished, but he couldn't. He reached up and touched the bronze face, shoved back the glistening wisp of hair from the broad forehead. His whole body was one big ache and the pain inside of his head was fierce like a tornado. His lips came apart, but he said nothing. At that moment, there was nothing to be said. Well, Blake whispered. Oh, Bob, I... He cried. Don't answer now if you don't want to. Go on. Go on and cry. Get it out of your system. Oh, but I do love you, Gaylord was thinking. That's the trouble. It's not right. I don't want to be like those I saw in New Orleans. I want to, and I don't. I don't know what to do. Our loves. Oh, it'll never last. Because, Blake broke in on his thoughts. Guess this Paul is some fellow. Sure can write a letter. I don't like to write. Blake reached for the other's chin. Feel better? I guess you think I'm an awful baby. Gaylord choked. I don't know what's the matter with me. There's nothing wrong with you. And you know I don't think you're an awful baby. Bob? Huh? Do you think I'm a... a queer? I wouldn't call you a queer. What would you call me? Gaylord heard himself asking. A faggot? With this, Blake smiled. He began chuckling, and then uncontrollable laughter shook his entire body. Gaylord looked at him. He found himself waiting for the next move, 
braced and eager because he didn't know what words would follow he was half frightened and half angry whether because of his own words or blake's actions he could not tell now as he waited for the answer to his question he couldn't tell if blake was laughing at him or at the question or whether what he was feeling was not something akin to sarcasm you're some pistol blake grinned and pulling up the tear-streaked face kissed the lips and if i'd called you a faggot i'd add pretty right in front of it he paused a second no i wouldn't he went on i'd add beautiful gaylord felt the masculine arms around him they felt both good and bad oh bob what are we going to do should i tell you he made a move no no not that why not because because why he made another move and gaylord drew away his hand from where blake had placed it do you like me a little just a little bit bob sure my beautiful little faggot i like you a whole lot don't this prove it again he put gaylord's hand on his lap he was a faggot in blake's eyes he was exactly that what was blake what would blake think if he had called him a faggot he wouldn't like it neither did he you don't love me do you let's don't say we love each other yet gay why because and for an instant there was only the noise of the rain beating down on the car there had been a look of repression in blake's eyes grotesque and something more what what was it gaylord knew with finality that he was caught up in blake bound to him by some strange power to sit waiting always for his next move to obey his command to withdraw only to come back again at his call he would do anything blake wanted he was as common as the worst he had met in new orleans there was no escape from the blind drive toward a destiny of ruthless years and they would be ruthless cruel jealousy at every corner paul had told him that and he had eyes he could see bob what do you think of me am i wrong you do like me don't you blake laughed a throaty hoarse sound coarse gay the sound indulged gaylord it continued a hell of a lot do you love someone else no come on gay let's he squeezed gaylord's hand you go out with so many you what about all the rest of the guys you've been to bed with blake's voice had changed and now became questioning a tremble ran through gaylord's body the rest bob he asked plucking at blake's pants the rest who else what about paul he loves you so he says gaylord had forgotten that yes paul did say he loved him he had said other things too and told him about so many strange things about homosexual life his life for wasn't he one too paul's clear eyes were before him the same far-off look that had penetrated them when he had said goodbye was still there sad eyes sad because in this world they had nothing they could claim perhaps love for one night or a week maybe a month but not for always they only saw things possessed by others and blake had the same look it was all too complicated but who did blake mean when he said the rest there had only been paul no one else his mind was muddled confused everything was mocking him i told you about paul bob i even let you read his letter 
thinking it would bring us closer together, but when you say the rest, who do you mean? Oh. Tell me. I've got to know. Forget it. Just don't be so serious. Life's too short. I didn't mean that. Let's have some fun. Come on. Gaylord felt the strong arms embrace him again, and he allowed Blake to take his hand and lead it. He felt Blake's hard, warm flesh. It shot an electric current through him. He tried to free his hand, but Blake held firm. He couldn't. Not tonight. Tonight it would be kind of blasphemy to make love in the presence of his thoughts. He didn't want to be that way now. He wanted something more than only a few moments. He remembered his feelings toward Paul after it was all over. Somewhere in his mind, slow black clouds appeared. A bed, a long, dismal hall leading to a dark, varnished door. A shiny nameplate, a voice that sounded like the one who had just spoken, said, Never lie to me. Never lie to me. I'll never lie to you. Never, never, never lie. The word lie dug deep in his brain. Well, Blake had lied. He had meant it when he had said the rest, but now he wanted to forget it because he was anxious for love. Love for one night. One night and then what? Lies and one night stands. All through life he must endure it. Even Blake was like that. He only wanted sex. He didn't love anyone. There's never been a rest. Never been anyone but you and Paul, he muttered quickly and turned his face toward Blake. I didn't do anything. I swear I didn't. Hell, gay, I know you didn't. I don't know why I said it. Let's forget it. Come on. We're wasting time, and I can't go on like this forever. How could he say such a thing? And why had he been such a fool to allow himself to become involved in Blake? But he had been involved all his life with lies and names. Terrible names. He saw the sorrowful faces in the dimly lighted bar he had gone to in New Orleans. Pale faces without blood. Faces full with lines of pain, grief, and underneath artificial laughter, heartaches. Was so plain to him now. He didn't want to become one of them, and he wasn't going to either. His face wasn't going to become shallow, puffy, circled. His life wasn't going to be one continuous long search. He hated anyone who was going to try to make it so. What about Blake? He wanted exactly that, and he didn't love him. He only wanted release. Only wanted him for one thing, and before long he himself would become one of those unhappy creatures one who would cast him aside after his carnal greed was fulfilled. There was something tearing and wild inside him, some need to attack and fight back. Tearing his hand from Blake's groin, he screamed, Let go of my hand, Bob. But Blake didn't let go. Instead, he held tighter. You can't back out now. Come on, you beautiful. Let go, Gaylord cut in. He stiffened his back and jerked himself. But the hand was too powerful. Let go of my hand. He cried again. Gay, what the hell's wrong? Damn, he said in a shocked tone. What in the devil did I do? Then he grinned and tightened his grip. Want to fight me for it, baby? You lied to me, Bob. So I'm a liar. You still love me, don't you? He tried again to soothe him. I can't love a liar. And this was the man he loved. Yes, he was the one, Robert Blake, a heathenish and wicked name for a man of the same nature and atop all this, he was a liar. Gaylord beat at the strong chest and tried to free his one arm. You'll never get me to do that again. 
or say I love you. I hate you. Hate you. Hate you. You damn liar. Now, Gay, this is too much. You are acting like a baby. You know I wouldn't lie to you. Say you know I wouldn't lie to you, Blake said, still holding his grip. I'm not going to let you loose until you say it. Come on, say it. Blake held fast to the struggling boy. He was still grinning and wondering why this had happened. Come on, honey, let's don't fight. You know how I feel towards you. No, I don't know. I know I hate you. You, you damn faggot, Gaylord moaned. Me, laughed Blake. Yes, you. Gaylord didn't hesitate, but let his hand fall with all its strength across Blake's cheek. The sharp slap echoed in the glass enclosure. There, now are you going to let me go? Why, you... Blake grabbed the hysterical boy and shook him hard. Now look, he said, this has gone far enough. What the hell's wrong? Let me go, screamed Gaylord. Sit down here and let me talk to you, Blake demanded. You can't boss me around like you do everybody else. I don't want to talk to you. He shouted through tears and let go with another whip-like flash across Blake's cheek. Blake released his grip. He looked as if he had seen a two-headed giant. Gaylord sprang for the door. Damn you, come back here, Blake shouted. You're not getting out of here that easy. Blake grabbed and dragged the sobbing boy back. There, he said, letting his hand fall on Gaylord's cheek with lightning force. How do you like it? Gaylord uttered a shrill cry of pain and tried for the door again. Go on, Blake laughed out loud. Go on, get out of here. I won't try to hold you. He pushed Gaylord closer to the open door. If you want to go, go. You're damn right I'm going. Gaylord sobbed and slammed the door after him. And don't come back, cried Blake. There was only slush, ankle deep and with biting rocks ahead of him now. There were only the rain gusts stinging his eyelids, only the cold ache in his fingers and the death ache in his heart. He was running, crying, stumbling down the rough water-filled ruts of the gravel road. I hate him, he sobbed knowing he didn't at all. I hate everything. I wish I were dead. And he was sincere. He heard dimly the muffled voice of Blake calling, swearing. It came through the darkness, pistol shot clear. He ran on, looking neither to the right or the left, while the rain clung to his hair and flattened his shirt and trousers. He ran faster, and as he ran, his lips moved in prayer, a strange rhapsodic prayer of his own invention. Oh, God. Everything's over. Finished now. Take back this life you gave me. Do not ask me to go on living. I can't bear it anymore. You could have made me different. Why didn't you? Why did you make me fall in love with Blake? But no. You let me love him, knowing all the time it was all wrong. And now I've lost him. He's gone. Gone forever. And there's nothing left to live for. Strike me dead. Lightning come down and rid me of this anguish, this torture. He stumbled hurriedly on, tears mingling with raindrops on his cheeks. He did not see the trees he passed. He was unaware of the rocks. He plunged on through the driving rain, his head bent, hearing old words in his heart. You do remind me of Venus. I wouldn't hurt you. And again, Blake's bass rumble. And I hope you have a lousy meal. Come on. Love me. His heart was breaking. He tried to push the dripping hair from his eyes. It was raining as if the whole heavens had opened up and the rain was the tears of millions of angels who understood and were sorry for him. Sorry they could not help him find his way. He was tired and his legs heavy. 
He had passed over the rocks and was now on a bridge. Its loose planks tore at him savagely, worrying his legs. It picked up needles of slush and flung them blindingly around his feet. It caught at his shoes and snatched at his trousers so that his head reeled dizzily and he was aware that he was scared, lost, lost in a downpour of cold glass arrows. The terror became panic, cutting and overpowering. There were moments when he thought he could hear Blake running after him, calling in a rich, deep voice for him to come back. But that too could not be, for Blake had left by now and he was alone. Instead of slowing down, he ran faster, over the rocks and puddles, into the blackness he staggered, past weird sounds reaching out trying to stop him, clutching and grabbing. He moaned because he was breathless, because even though he wanted to die, he was afraid of death, afraid of drowning in that endless crevice beneath the loose planks. Gay! Gay! Wait! He heard the voice, and it was godsend. It rang in his ears, and he wanted to wait, but the nothingness in front urged him on. He glanced back, and in doing so, collapsed. He did not try to rise, but lay in the dirty slush, his head against his hands that touched rough gravel beneath him. Oh, if the slush were only deeper. Why doesn't it cover me completely, he cried inside, and all this misery of forever running away. Gay, cried Blake, his big hands tearing the soaked body from the guttered road. Sobbing, he sat down in the shallows and cradled Gaylord's head and shoulders across his knees and in his arms. He pushed back the hair still bound around the forehead and drew him close as if trying to protect him from the driving rain. Bob, oh Bob, I'm here, Blake cried and kissed the quivering lips. Your Bob's here. Don't cry, darling. I love you so much, Bob, so much. Gaylord's hands drew Blake closer. I don't know why I did this. I don't, really. It's my fault, Blake drew him closer. I'm a fool. I'm the fool. Is it your fault? Come on, Gay. Let's get you to the car. You're shaking like a leaf. Please forgive me. There's nothing for me to forgive. But you know I do if you say so. Blake got up heavily and drew Gaylord up, stood with his arms around the shaking boy. He was held by the thing that he could not name. It had held him from the first meeting in the gymnasium. The sense of mystery and emotion and desire in this boy. I do love him he thought. You clumsy fool. You do love him. Are you all right now? he asked. I'm all right. Awfully tired and weak, Gaylord confessed. I'm so sorry. And after a moment, he said, I'm all right now. He did feel better with his arms around him. His hands came up slowly and clenched themselves upon Blake's soaked shoulders. Oh, Bob, he sobbed and lay his head on the heaving chest. They stood there and stared blindly into each other's face, their separate breathing coming quick and jerky. Above, the flashes of lightning and the distant thunder shook about them in the glistening night. Let's go to the car, Gay, Blake repeated. You're cold. You're shaking like a leaf. Before Gaylord moved, he said, Will you please forgive me? Blake kissed him. You know I'd forgive you anything. Come on, let's go to the car. All right. Gaylord panted breathlessly. The black outline of the woods dropped behind them, and with it the gutted ruts of the road. Gaylord realized with little amazement that they were already at the car. Why, they had just walked such a short distance, and only a moment ago the road had seemed so long, so full of miles of rough rocks and dirty holes. 
They stopped at the car, and Blake embraced him again. I'm sorry, Gay. I'm sorry I'm such a bullheaded bastard. You're not bullheaded. He reached up for the kiss. No, you're not. You're everything to me. Inside the car, Blake said, Come on, Gay. Take those wet clothes off. He grabbed a blanket from the back seat. Here, wrap yourself in this. The dark air was cool, almost frosty. Gaylord felt to breathe along his wet body. The sweet scent of brilliantine and bronze loam came up into his nostrils like something new and undiscovered. Somehow, he was not surprised when Blake unbuttoned his clothes and wrapped the blanket around his naked body. Blake's hands then went around the blanket, making him even warmer. They held him tightly, roughly. But what about you, Bob? You're soaked too. Why don't you take off your clothes and get in here too? I'm all right. You get warm. Blake's big hand began to soothe Gaylord. He looked at him and grinned. Don't think it would be safe, do you? I don't care. Come on. I'd better not. I'm all right. Feel better? Gaylord said he did and nestled close. His sobs were low and the quivering had almost stopped. He felt warm there inside the sticky wool, the wool so close to Blake's own wet side. Dark eyes looked down at him from under dripping hair that crossed his forehead. Gaylord tenderly smoothed it back with his hand. There was nothing that could diminish the kindness of those eyes, nothing that could take the gentleness from them. And then Blake grinned, and Gaylord grinned back at him. Blake said in a whisper, I didn't know you were such a little hellcat. He rubbed his nose against the others. I didn't either. Feel better now? I'm fine, Gaylord answered softly, scuffling his legs together in the blanket. I'm worried about you. Don't worry about me. I'm okay. His mouth came down upon Gaylord's again in a protective manner. I'd better get you home and put you to bed. I'd better put my clothes on then, said Gaylord, unwrapping the blanket. Oh, no. Blake pulled the blanket together again. You wear that home. You can run in with it on. No one will see you. Those wet clothes will give you a hell of a cold if you put them back on. Suppose mother and dad are up. What could I tell them? It wouldn't be any different than you going in with your wet clothes. I don't guess it would. Do you think they'll be up? They might be. Well, Blake thought hard. Well, we could say what? We could say we had a flat. Guess we could. Gaylord straightened up and began to put his disheveled hair into place. His clothes, he thought ruefully, are going to look a sight after wallowing in the road. And my hair, it must look awful. I must look awful. Don't forget now, we had a flat. Gaylord heard the sound of the motor start and the car moved. Then the hand returned around his shoulders and drew him close. Linked thus, they drove down the soaked road leisurely and in silence. They met no one and there was no sound but the ring of the motor, the swashing of water and the falling rain. As they crossed the bridge, Blake broke the silence. Are you all right, Gay? Fine. Only... Only what? I'm so ashamed of the way I acted. Ashamed? I'm not. You know, honey, Blake grinned, rubbing his cheek. You've got a wallop I didn't know you had. So have you, Gaylord grinned back and ran his own hand over his cheek. Now I'm ashamed. Blake frowned, and the dark, handsome face stared broodingly down at him. Forgive me? I forgive you. The dark outline of the trees cast deep shadows over the narrow road. The rain splattered quick and sharp on the windshield. 
the wipers scratching crosswise across the glass made a moaning sound going to and fro trying to free the speckled crystal of the many stars that tried to rest on it gaylord sat at blake's side and his hand gently caressed the leg that moved up and down up and down giving life to the humming motor a dirty splash of red muddy water arose before them gaylord jumped but the glass protected him the wipers worked madly wiping the dirty windshield clearing the view before him again there was a splash of melted rust again the thin blades of the rubber scratched hurriedly his eyes followed the lake-like road the bumps holes like the narrow bumpy street he had seen somewhere somewhere where 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 had he seen all this before in memory he closed his eyes heard a cab screaming to a stop saw a man staggering a horn bumps rough sure that was it the two drunks and a cab that too had frightened him and made him catch his breath bob he said softly yeah what did you do in new orleans gaylord asked in a whisper do you really want to know uh-huh i met a dame what kind a drunken whore was she pretty so-so did she have carrot hair have what was her hair sort of orange color i don't remember i only know i couldn't get away from her quick enough blake uttered in disgust why guess i wasn't her type she uh made fun of me of you yes of me it's easy to make fun of someone blake said in an echo i'd never make fun of you bob i'd rather die first his fingers dug into the wet trousers down into the drawn flesh he remembered the many times he had been hurt hurt by the remarks that had been said in fun blake had been hurt too he understood how it felt how it made you want to go hide hide from the ones who said them to you anyone could say things anyone among people you were always in danger you passed when you were alone or among trees yes among trees you were safe but around people you weren't i know you wouldn't make fun of me without you telling me so gay but there are some that get a big kick out of saying things that hurt a fellow i don't know what anyone would say about you oh it wasn't really anything seems kind of silly now guess my ego was cut short want to tell me about it if you want to listen i'd love to listen i met this gal in a bar blake began recalling the action very vividly he saw the girl again small cute carrot hair i was drinking at the bar and i felt her leg rub up against mine i didn't mind she was young and looked like she was out for a good time well i bought her a couple of drinks we got loaded then she asked me if i was as big and strong as i looked and i told her she'd have to find out then she handed me more of that line of hers about me being her type and that she'd just love that big wide chest over her so you went home with her yes i went home with her you should have seen her apartment damn what a dirty hole she lived in i didn't care too much i was so loaded i didn't care what kind of dive she lived in she stripped and got on the bed laid there naked and watched me her old tits sticking straight up she did have a cute shape when i pulled off my shorts she started giggling i didn't know what she was laughing about until i got on her large drops of sweat formed on blake's forehead he was hot inside his wet clothes inside he was furious a flaming hate arose within him and glowed in his eyes gaylord saw the look but remained silent he felt the sudden jerks in his legs and trembled 
Finally, he said, Don't tell me any more, Bob. I don't want to hear any more. I want to tell you, Blake answered petulantly. You wanted to hear, so I'm going to tell you. And you're the only one I've ever told this to. All right, if you want to tell me. I got on her and asked her to spread her legs. She laughed again and told me to stick that little thing of mine up her nose, that it would probably fit there better. Then she laughed that damn laugh again. I slapped her right on the mouth, got up and dressed and left. She was still laughing when I slammed the door, cussing like a sailor, too. I walked out of there sober as a judge. Gaylord raised and kissed him. She must have been drunk to say a thing like that. You're not that little. He stopped, grinned, and blushed. I'm not big, Blake grinned. I love you, Bob. I love you for what you are, because you're Bob. That's why. Silly, isn't it, for something like that to be in your craw for years? Never forgot that. I'm glad you told me. Confession is good sometimes. Then I went to another bar and started getting good and drunk. A real pretty boy. He looked something like you, Gay, only smaller. Asked me for a match. I knew what he wanted by the way he said it. You mean you've known about? Sure, honey. When I was fourteen, some old man went down on me. Oh, Bob, that's awful. No, it wasn't, Blake grinned. I've always looked older than I am. Well, to get back to this kid at the bar, he asked me if I wanted to go home with him. You know what I did? No. I took his hand like this. He grabbed Gaylord's hand and laid it like this. I said, Feel. Feel good and hard. It's not big. You guys like big ones. Do you still want me to go home with you? Blake uttered a chuckle. Okay. You want me to stop the car? Why? Feel anything rising? Gaylord jerked his hand away. I wasn't even. I'm only kidding. Keep your hand there. Feels good. I better not. What happened? Did you go home with him? Yeah. You should have seen the expression in his eyes. I'll never forget it. He said, I don't care if you don't have anything in your pants. I'm just lonesome. Okay, he was lonesome. He really meant it. Did you go home with him? Yes, I went home with him. He had the nicest place. I stayed all night with him. Darn, he was a swell fellow. What happened? Same thing that happened to you and Paul. Oh, love was never mentioned, though. He brought me coffee in bed the next morning. I got a big kick out of it. I think of him real often and wonder whatever happened to him. Don't know whatever happened to him. We wrote to each other, but then I stopped. What was his name? Gene. Um, for a moment, Gaylord's heart was in his throat. Was Blake going to say Gene Limbo? That short little fat man that had given the party? Gene Baxter. I almost forgot his last name. He lived on Royal. He looked at Gaylord and asked, What's wrong? I thought you were going to say Gene Limbeau. Who's that? He's the one who gave the party I told you about. Is that the Gene that... What's his name? Paul? Yeah. That Paul mentioned in his letter? Uh-huh. Funny. When I read that letter, I thought that might be Gene Baxter. Wouldn't that have been something? Sure would have been. I'm glad it wasn't, whispered Gaylord. Why? asked Blake. I'm afraid I'd be jealous. Blake giggled. Oh, for Christ's sake. It's good to hear you laugh, Bob. Laugh some more, Gaylord grinned and began tickling Blake. 
Hey, stop that. You want me to run off this damn road? I don't care. I'm dressed for anything. He laughed and spread open the blanket. See? What are you trying to do? Get me excited? Think I could? I think you could. Blake grinned and pulled at the patch of curly hair around the other's groin. Ouch! You'd better cover up or you'll catch a cold. I won't catch a cold. Gay. Huh? Will you tell me something? Anything. What? What about this guy, Paul? What about him? Do you like him? Yes. He's awfully nice. I told you he reminded me of you, and you're tops to me. You know that. Blake raised his arm. You want me to bust you one again? He grinned. Yes. Blake's hand came down on his cheek with a gentle caress. There, he said. I don't want anyone to hold you like this except me. No one has, Bob. No one? No one. Not even Glenn. The name came upon him with a swift blow that shocked him, staggered him more than the slap he had received earlier. He had never thought of Glenn Rogers as a lover, or had he? Two large dimples flashed before his eyes, two lips saying, Wish I could go to New Orleans with you. How did he feel towards this vision? Why was he always wishing he could see him naked? Why did he have that funny feeling around his heart when he was with him? Did Blake know about these emotions? How could he have discovered them? What could he suspect, conceive? He couldn't know anything that the two had done. How could he? There wasn't anything to know. Not yet, there wasn't. Now why did he think that? Suddenly he grabbed for Blake, held him fast, and said, No, Bob, he whispered. Not even Glenn. End of chapter 21. Recording by Kurt Troutwine.